You're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions Inc., the Google Ads Agency. This is the scariest video that I've ever recorded. I am uncomfortable uh, with this topic because I'm giving away the thing that I'm most proud of from an entrepreneurial perspective. However, I think this could be of immense value to a lot of people. And I also am in this really new and fun and unique situation where talent comes to us. And so I've been unencumbered in a lot of ways. One of the reasons I didn't want to shoot this is because I felt like if I gave away all the tools on my toolbox, people would be able to see it, reverse engineer it, and then kind of trick their way into employment. But I realized now that if somebody was proactive and actually watched this thing and then followed the rules, I'd want to hire that person anyway. So I'm just going to trust in Providence. And, you know, there's something weird. It's like a limiting belief that if you've, spent a lot of time, effort, and energy figuring something out, you, you hold it close to your chest and you almost don't want to give it to people, even if it costs you nothing, because I guess it's like the selfishness of humanity, but it's like, well, they should go through the same pain and heartache that I went through. So I need to get over that and get over my own evils. This is 15 years of, of trial and error. And it's the thing that I'm most proud of as far as what I've been able to accomplish. The reason that I've been successful is other people. Flat out. My, my business partner is the smartest Google Ads guy on the planet. I'm not. I have so many amazing folks that work here at Solutions 8. I hear it all the time. I hear people say, I don't know how you find these people. It's our team that is extraordinary. And you, you've heard me say things like, it takes 245 applications to catalyze one hire. That's true. I'm going to show you the system. I'm going to show you how I find the best people in the whole wide world. A couple of notes. My system only works for remote employees. That I know of, I guess I shouldn't say only, I've not tried it otherwise. This is 15 years of, of heartache and headache, but it works when you have a larger group of people to draw from. And it works especially well if you're willing to go international. And depending on where you are and what your position is, that may or may not be something that's, that you find to be possible. When you go international, you're going to deal with certain issues. And that's just the nature of the beast. And we'll talk about some of those as I go through this training. Some of those issues, to be honest with you, are just your own client's prejudices. We've got teams offshore. I actually, one of the very first bad reviews, we ended up getting this reversed, but somebody wrote a bad review to Solutions 8 and he said, oh, they assigned my accounts to Indians. <laughs> like, okay. Like, set aside the fact that they're literally the smartest Google Ads people in the world that we hired that just happened to be in India. Like this dude just decided that any account that was sent over to somebody in India to manage was instantly at risk or something. And I don't, I don't like using the word racism because I feel like that's such a broad sweeping brush and I, it's not, it's not understanding enough of the human condition and people's, you know, prejudices and preconditions and whatever, but that, that one got awful close. That said, you have to open yourself up to the possibility that there are resources outside of just 30 miles of your office that are going to be phenomenal. And that's the other thing to really be cognizant of. We have amazing staff from all over the world. And so realize that there are C-level exec worthy employees everywhere. You don't have to go to the Philippines and just hire a VA. I mean, my assistant, Julianne, is one of the smartest humans I've ever met in my entire life. She can solve any problem. Our CTO, Yvonne, he started out as a, a VA. I found him, he was a student in Poland and he's now the CTO of our company. Like you can find extraordinary resources everywhere. I'm going to give you my entire hiring system, modify it to your heart's content, but know that this has been a decade and a half of iteration. So 
I call it the Pareto talent system, which by the way, my, I found out later, other people have their own Pareto talent system. But the idea here is that 20% of your workforce is going to do 80% of your work. So just go hire the 20%, focus on them. And let me actually get back on a soapbox real quick. If you are in the phase of your entrepreneurial career where you're trying to find the cheapest resource possible, I can tell you, I made that mistake for too long and nothing is more expensive than a cheap resource. Nothing is more expensive than a cheap resource. Pay enough money. Here's the thing about peak performers. Peak performers need to be paid like they're peak performers. It's not that they're greedy people. It's that they're winners. Winners keep score on everything. And all they need to know is they're winning when it comes to salary. And then they'll move on to the other axes of analysis. So I'm going to teach you how to move upstream. But to find Pareto talent, you have to pay them like the Pareto talent. So one of the best practices is you have to pay at least 10% more than the industry's higher watermark. Here's what's interesting is you can go higher in an area that makes that possible. So if you, you know, like I can't go to Silicon Valley and pay 10% more than the industry's high watermark, obviously. So go to where you know that those resources are. And this is why hiring remote is really helpful. There's going to be a, what would you say, like a quality of life adjustment based off of where people are geographically. And so if you're having a hard time hiring on the coast, go to middle America or go to Canada or go to Europe um, or go to the Philippines. Depending on the role that you need done, there's the whole world is available to you. So open your horizons and realize that we live in, in the world is flat, to quote Thomas Friedman, not in the weird internet conspiracy way, in the, the paradigm way. And there's an unbelievable amount of talent out there. South America, it's unreal. The, the, the folks, the gentleman, that's, he's, he's currently our, our, our uh, operations manager, Mark. Um, he's in Panama. He's brilliant. He's EOS trained. He's, he's been such a blessing to us. So don't think that you need to just focus where you've been focusing if you feel like, well, I'm going to have a hard time paying more. Here's why you have to pay more for the system to work. You're going to ask people to jump through an insane number of hoops with this system. If you're not paying more, there's no incentive to do that. So take the issue of money off of the table. Put people in a position where they're not worried about finances, and now they can worry about all the things that you want them worrying about, like, like actual growth. So that's, that's if they, you're not comfortable with this, stop watching, because this is what it takes in order to go get the top talent. Now, once we have that established, you're going to use this job description. And the magic is in the job description, by the way. First thing, we're going to call this the remote whatever. So let's say I'm hiring for a client manager, remote client manager, remote Google Ads specialist, remote graphic designer, whatever. You want to use the word remote often, early and often. Some folks aren't used to remote employment, even now. So you want to make sure that they know this is a remote job because it's something that people seek. Here's what's interesting. When I say pay more than the industry's high watermark, this is part of that comp package. People will actually accept less money if it means they get to work from home because they're saving money in a significant number of ways. It's worth understanding what it is that you're bringing to them. So allowing a remote environment with autonomy and freedom is a huge give. It's massive. And especially nowadays, you know, in a post-COVID world, this is one of the things that you can, you can do to set your, your whole world apart. So if you're not set up for remote employment, get that way, because this is where the entirety of the world is moving. So I, and you notice that I'll be repeating the word remote throughout the job description, because not everybody's accustomed to the fact that this is remote and you're going to want to reinforce that, especially depending on where you're positioning this geographically. At the very top of every job description, we say, when you apply, Please make sure your heading reads as follows. I actually read the instructions. If they submit an application and I don't see this in the subject line or the top of the email, 
and I'm actually not the one that goes through this, but if, if the hiring manager doesn't see this in the subject line at the top of the email, they ignore it. They ignore the submission. This is how you're going to filter out all of your submissions. Because when you're paying 10% more than the industry's had watermark, and by the way, we pay a lot more than that depending on the role. Some roles we can't afford to pay a lot more than that, but you know, some of our roles we can pay 3x um, depending on where they are geographically. And what that means is you get you could get a thousand submissions and you need to make sure that you have the ability to filter through those submissions very, very, very quickly and get to, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff. So I actually read the instructions. This is a signal. This is a signal to anybody who applies to read the instructions. Here's what's really funny is you're going to get a ton of people that don't even do this. Ignore them. They're, they're of zero value to you. I get people that say, I actually read the instructions in their submission and then they don't follow the instructions which I think is funnier because at least somebody who doesn't put this, I know that they're just applying to every single job on the list. This is really important. Next up, you have to sell your company. So this is an old, old, old template because we are still at 20 employees. We're almost 70 now. Don't be the company that positions themselves, that approaches from above. I've read some job descriptions where it's like, you know, we are such and such company with such a phenomenal legacy. And in order to work with us, you must complain. It's like, F that. You're going after peak performers. You're going after high-end talent. You need to attract them. You are marketing to them. You And, y'all, this is going to be pervasive throughout the entire tenure. You serve them. Your talent is more important than your clients. I know that's a weird thing to say, and everybody's like, oh, the client's all that matters. The client's on the pedestal. The, the, your, your employee, especially in the agency space, if you're in the customer service space at all, but especially in the agency space, your staff is the most important asset you have. You need to market to them. You have to make sure that you're a place that somebody would want to work, that you're, that you're collaborative and you're protective and you're going to help them grow. So let them know what's awesome about you. Don't do the, the approach from above ivory tower stuff. You're going to repel peak performers and, and high-end talent. You're going to get a lot of the, the egoic, like, oh, I just want the, the cool logo on my LinkedIn and what's my title going to be. You don't want those folks. You want the people that are going to want to perform and, and you want to make sure that they're a culture fit. So give them a sense of your, is your culture. Like you can, I think this is, I love this. I wrote this. 10 years ago, maybe more. We're a group of hardcore problem-solving, custom code hacking, status quo bucking, out-of-the-box thinking, genius digital gangsters, breaking out the creative solutions with the vengeance and a passion of thousands of sons covered in tobacco. Awesome. There are some people that are going to read that and be like, yeah, I don't want to work here. This is too playful. It's nerdy. It's dumb. It's stupid. Whatever. Cool. Glad we're not a fit. Because guess what? When you work here, you got to put up with me every day. And I wrote that. And that's kind of how I am. It's important for people to know what they're getting into. Give them a sense of your personality. Set the bar high. We're the best Google agency in the world. We're the best. I want the best. Peak performers want to work for the best. And you need to be confident that you can reach that. And if, if you want, get there. Put yourself in a position to where, hey, we're working towards being the best. So sell yourself. This is about you and, and who you are and what it is that you have to offer them. What we're looking for, you'll notice that this isn't really a job description. This is more a uh, 50,000-foot view. So this isn't what they're going to be doing every day. Instead, now here's, hey, we're looking for a new, whatever it is, graphic designer, Google Ads specialist, whatever. Look at me reminding them this is a remote position. And, it's a remo and I'm doing that again because when you're hiring internationally, not everybody's used to this narrative yet. As a matter of fact, when we, we were hiring in India at a certain point, a, a lot of the applicants kind of thought it was a scam. They're like, you're going to let me work from home. And we're like, yeah, Google has three offices in India, by the way. Some of the best talent you've ever seen. So well-trained, so well-tenured, just an amazing resource for us. Uh, 
So make sure, especially when you're hiring internationally, that you remind them this is a remote position. You're working from home. That ends up, there are a bunch of people, by the way, that can't do that. They just can't function in that environment. And we'll get to how to weed through them too. So I'm going to explain 50,000 foot view of what the role does and is. Obviously, my language is specific to my role. Make this specific to your role. But, but begin managing expectations here. This is another soapbox I want to jump on. A lot of people that try to, especially when people are trying to hire offshore for some reason, we built this weird story of the unicorn VA who can do graphic design and video editing and manage traffic and build a website and call your mom and set appointments. And, and it's like, no, nobody can do that. Nobody can do that. That person doesn't exist. And, and if they do, they're expensive. You're not going to have them for a very long time. Have a specific job you want this person to do. You are my client retention manager. You are my onboarding manager. You are my Google Ads specialist. You are my graphic designer. Don't hire for 50 roles. And I see this so often, especially with smaller companies. They go try to hire. And, you know, it's okay. My graphic designer also does our video edits. That's fine because we don't have enough graphic design work to justify the, a full-time role. So Jacqueline, who, God bless her, is going to have to edit this video, does our graphic design and our video editing. Those two things are closely enough aligned and our needs are broad enough to where that works. But if we were, if we were actually selling graphic design, you'd want to, one resource just for graphic design, one resource just for editing. Because I don't need hardcore video editing. But if I did, it's unfair to ask somebody to be an expert in both of those things, even, even though they're closely aligned. Don't bundle resource requirements. It's not fair to whoever it is that you're trying to put into this role. This, and, and a jack of all trades is just really difficult to get a hold of. So 50,000 foot view, salary and growth opportunities. This is the other thing that I think people do incorrectly, especially with offshore talent. You've heard the stories about the people who are like, oh yeah, I got my VA in the Philippines for 300 bucks and they do everything I need to do and they're awesome. And then you, they're not a person. They're an email. They're a repository for tasks. Realize that this is someone that wants growth too. I, I feel like we've sterilized. This is going to sound so dramatic, but I'm just going to say it. I feel like we've sterilized the humanity of offshore labor. Uh, don't do that. You need to, if you're, especially if you're looking for peak performers, Peak performers in the Philippines are just like peak performers in the U.S. or in Canada. They want to know what the growth opportunity is, is too. And a lot of them, a lot of the, 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 the real badasses have been with the company for 10 years and the ceiling was immediate. And they're, they're pissed. And of course they should be. You need to let them know this is where you get to go. So job title, reinforce the job title. Starts at. This is important. It's an important note. Let them know, hey, there's room for growth. It starts at whatever it is. And if you don't know what to pay, by the way, go look at all the other positions that are available in that geography for that role. See what they're paying. Find the high watermark, add 10%. That what you're, that's what you're paying. Pay more. Now, you'll notice that I never, ever, 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 never, ever do a range. And I don't do a range because a lot of, and this is going to get dicey too, but I'm just going to say what I've said, and then you guys can all cancel me. My personal experience is that certain cultures aren't comfortable with, or aren't as comfortable with negotiation. And sometimes it's to their credit. You know, maybe culturally they, they have a, a stronger commitment to politeness, let's say. If you give them a range, it puts them in a position of discomfort where it's like, oh gosh, I'm going to go after and, and consult and, or go in, after and, and, and uh, negotiate and, you know, draw my sword and whatever. It's been an issue in the past. Let them know. This is where you're already 10% more than the, the, the high water mark. And you're already hiring peak performers. So don't do that thing depending on experience. This is what I'm paying. I'm paying more than anybody else is willing to pay because I want a badass. Don't do the range. 
Make sure that they know it's USD too, by the way. That's also really important, depending on where you're hiring from. Give them very specific. People want to know how to win. This is how you win. You're going to work under a full-time client manager as you learn the trade. You'll be assigned new clients slowly as we build your confidence. You'll be graded. All my client managers are laughing at this right now because we're, we're blowing up. And so we're just throwing clients at newbies with scaffolding, with protection. But very clearly, I'm a liar. You'll be graded on your client retention and campaign performance. Here's how you win. Once you're managing a full slate, you'll be promoted to a full client manager. So this is the growth opportunity. Strong opportunity for client managers who take, and this, by the way, is very true. One of our client managers, Regina, she's managing, and she's the executive director of a whole new business that we've launched. So there's a lot of growth opportunity depending on the direction they want to go. A client manager can become a strategist. Successful client managers are first in line for uh, promotion or a strategy team. So let them know what you're going to pay, what growth opportunities look like, and then let them know what they need to be able to do. This is three to five core proficiencies at absolute most. If you have any more than three to five, you have two roles you're hiring for now or more. They need to know Google ads, kind of. I don't need people to run Google ads. I need them to know it well enough to talk to clients about it. They need to know client management, obviously. Marketing strategy zoomed out. I could honestly probably even remove this a little bit because if you know Google ads, you know client management, you probably already know marketing strategy. Now, problem solving, I include this because our client managers are the biggest problem solvers that we have. So I've got my three to five at four. You know, you could maybe, if I tossed in another one, it might be like, if let's say I was hiring offshore for this, I, I'm, all of our client managers are in the US or Canada. So this isn't a big issue. But let's say I was trying to hire offshore for this, I'd say strong English proficiency, for instance, and then you're done. Don't have any more than that. And obviously your ideal candidate description is going to be very different than mine because you're hiring for very, very different roles. I'm just giving you an example here of the way that we have this outlined. Uh, successful personality profile. I actually don't use this anymore. This is an old part of the template. We used to have people fill out a personality quiz. I stopped that. I found it to be limiting and it got gray as to how it was how we were judging people. And I, I didn't like that. So I, I took this out, but I've still got it in the template. If you want to use it, you can use it. Make sure this is the section where you put your skunks on the table. So if they have to speak English or, or, or you know, uh, spoken and, and written, if they're willing to work a U.S. time zone, if sometimes they have to work nights and weekends, if whatever it is, what are all the reasons that somebody wouldn't want to work here? Put them out up front. Throw your skunks on the table, protect yourself, protect your time, protect them. This is a remote position. You have to have really solid internet. You have to have reliable power. One of the things that we let everybody know is all of our jobs start with a 60-day trial period to make sure that we're the right fit for each other. And I reiterate this in the interview, by the way. I say, look, let's say I hire you and God forbid, for whatever reason, two months from now, we're not the right fit. What happens? If I just, are you walking away from a 10-year career, you know, your bird in the hand and I just ruined your life? Because I don't want to do that. I don't want to take that risk. And what's nice about it is then they assume the risk and they're like, you know what? That's a risk I'm willing to take and here's why. And now I feel better about myself. All your skunks on the table. This can be really long, by the way. It doesn't matter. Let them know everything that, that could potentially go wrong because that will help narrow this list down. Hire to your values. This is worthy of some time. As a young entrepreneur, I always used to think like the whole mission statement listed values. I always thought it was stupid. I thought it was lip service. And I remember being a kid and working at McDonald's. It's one of my first jobs. And when you're in the break room at McDonald's, they had this poster up on the wall of like our core values. And it was all the, all the routine things, you know, like integrity, hard work, teamwork. And I remember being like, that is definitely not true here. You know, there's people spitting in food and managers that were being conniving and rude and like put signing people up for the midnight shift just because they hated them. And it was, it was a horrible workplace. So 
I think that all of us had that experience where you've worked at a place or been exposed to a place that didn't serve their values. And so it's, it's created this, it's almost a red flag. It's turned it into a joke. The problem is, is either you establish your values and hire and manage towards them or other people will do it for you. So you don't have the luxury of not establishing values. All that will happen is you won't be in control of those. This isn't an academic pursuit. This is one of the most important things you can do for your business. Know what your values are. Our values are threefold, truth, responsibility, and love. I say heart because love really turns people off for some reason. It kind of like makes them uncomfortable. Like I'll say love and then instantly they're like, oh my God, who is this guy? He's quite the hippie. Um, whatever. Shift things up semantically just to make sure that you're not scaring people away. But these are, this is what makes up Solutions 8. This is what's important to us. And these are the things that I manage to. If I'm trying to build leaders in my community, our, our, our work community, let's say, really, they could make all the decisions they need to make according to these three values. What's true, first and foremost? And these aren't ordered hierarchically. They're ordered chronologically, though. First, what's true? Because that's no matter what, it has to be true. Then what's the most responsible thing for us to do right now? And then what would we do if we really cared about this person? Figure out what your values are. What are your values? Hire to your values. Put them out there. And here's what's really cool. We just hired a gentleman as a client manager, and I've known him for some time. And he reached out to me, but he actually reached out to me uh, on Messenger. And he said, I saw your video. I, I posted a video talking about needing help, needing talent. The thing I love about it most was the thing you said about truth, responsibility, and heart. That you needed people committed to the truth, be responsible, but also care. And you want to promote a culture where people are valued and honored. I showed it to my partner and she said, all caps, oh my God, you have to work there. That is you. He's been here for three days and he's already an absolute total rock star. I just got a Slack message from the head of our, our team saying, oh, this guy's amazing. Y'all values are so important. Put your values out there, but then you have to commit to them. Don't become McDonald's with their values up on the wall and not adhering to them. Like you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make slip ups. That's fine. Make sure that your team knows what your values are and that you're hiring people against those values. Can't stress this one enough. It's been so important to and for us. And every single time we make a decision, I get to point back to the values. I get to point back to the values. I get to almost blame the values for, you know, anything that we're doing that's hard or that's difficult or that's not popular. Now, this is the secret sauce. To apply. Remember at the very top where I said, you have to read the instructions. Here are the instructions. Super clear. Spelled out in crayon. If you're interested, submit the following. A link. A link to your resume. A link to your resume. You wouldn't believe how many people attach the resume. Uh, PDF format with the following naming convention. This doesn't matter. I can get an attachment in a doc format with a different naming convention. It doesn't matter. Just give them a couple of really simple little hoops to jump through to make sure that they can follow instructions, especially when you're working with somebody who's remote. They're not in the office. You need to make sure that they have significant attention to detail. One of the criticisms I got from somebody that I was sharing this with is you're, you're recruiting talent that is really good at a lot of things, but doesn't have great attention to detail. Here's the problem. In a remote work environment, attention to detail is a prerequisite. I understand how you could have employees, you know, in an in-office work environment who could let things slip through the cracks, but they're amazing at whatever. When you're remote, this is non-negotiable as far as I'm concerned. So link to your resume in a PDF format with the following naming convention. Bam. Details of, and then insert your role experience here, right? Details of role experience here. They, no, they don't have to necessarily have experience. 
but you want them to speak to something that's applicable to what you're hiring for. And this will be more or less necessary depending on the role that you're looking for. If you're looking for an entry-level role, maybe you leave this out. This is one of my favorites. If you're an animal, what animal would you be and why? There's one answer I'm looking for that I instantly exclude any applicants. If somebody goes, humans are animals. Uh, and it's always the smart ass that says this. Here's the problem. You didn't intuit the spirit of the question. And this is somebody that if I put you in front of one of my clients, they'd rather be right than be successful. Because people are going to ask stupid questions or they're going to put you in a position where you can play gotcha or you, know, you get to outmaneuver them. I'm giving them the opportunity to kind of show me how, you know, sneaky they want to be with their, their intellectual parlor tricks. That's number one. Number two is you get to see a lot of creativity from some folks and you get to see the way they see themselves. So if you're an animal, what animal would you be and why? If somebody phones this in, like, you know, I'll get applications all the time where it just says dog. That's not helpful to me. Put some heart into this freaking thing. You know, this is your very first foot forward. If, they, if, they're, if they're not even going to put any time into the application process, they're not going to put time into into more important things that you want them to do on a day-to-day -day basis when it gets tedious, right? This is not something you should steal. You should find your own. There's a, a, a Lebanese Christian poet named Khalil Gibran who I've always loved. He wrote The Prophet. I could just get a big kick out of the guy. He has this quote, work is love made visible. And I've always, that's always really resonated with me because I feel like when you serve people in a business capacity, I teach my children that money's a uh, money's a representation of the value provided to other people. And I've always wanted to find people that feel that way too. Like, hey, when we're working, we're not here because we have to be. We're here because this is how we bring value into the world. And maybe that's a little dramatic and, you know, there's some, I'm, I'm putting lipstick on a pig in some ways because if everybody had a billion dollars, nobody would work and we all know that, right? But then they always say like, figure out what you would do if you had a billion dollars and that's the thing you should be doing for a living. But I like the idea that, Work is how you show the world love. And I'm using that word that makes people uncomfortable. That's for me though. That's for me. So I asked people, what does this mean to you personally? My assistant, Julianne, her response was so good. I posted it to Facebook and I was like, and I hired her on the spot. I was like, this is amazing. And I could just tell she was, she was a phenomenal culture fit. Find the thing that means something to you. There's a quote out there. Maybe there, maybe there's like a Bible verse, like I, whatever it is, find the thing that speaks to you on a soul level and put that out in front of people. It's, it's a little vulnerable, right? Like it's kind of uncomfortable for me to talk about it and be like, you know, God, oh, this guy's kind of a, whatever, <laughs> sort of a weirdo. Um, that's okay. You're hiring people for you. You're hiring people to give me a part of your organization. You want to know how they feel about the things that matter to you. Submissions should go to, I don't like HR portals because they inhibit my ability to do stuff like this. So I have, I, you know, I'll do a custom email address. So it'll be like, you know, cm at solate.com or whatever. But submissions go to this email. This is important. I'm looking for people that format their submissions in a way that makes it easy for me to review. Some people will follow all the instructions, but they bundle it all into one paragraph that it, it's so hard to look at. I don't want to, that's, again, we're remote. Most of the communication that we have is going to be via email. If you can't write a good email, I'm not going to hire you. Sometimes I include this, sometimes I don't. It depends on how many uh, applicants I, I expect. If I think I'm going to get way too many, I'll include this. 90% of the applicants will not follow the instructions. None of them will be considered. It's nuts to see. It's nuts. You know, it's uh, sad, actually. Um, sometimes I don't include this. I also let them know, hey, I'm happy to answer questions. We're humans. So I'm asking people to jump through a ton of hoops. Now, you're going to post this wherever is applicable. If you're looking for a really specific role, there's really specific job posting boards. So, you know, if you're like, oh, I really need somebody that knows Python, there's a, there's a couple of 
job posting boards just for Python developers. Otherwise, onlinejobs.ph is great for talent in the Philippines. Freelancer is great for international talent. Uh, a lot of South Asia. Uh, Remote Co is great for South America. LinkedIn is, when we're hiring out of Canada, LinkedIn has been amazing. Indeed has also been really good. Flex jobs for people looking for flex and, and hire my mom. I've had mixed experiences with. These aren't the only job posting boards. They're just a handful. I don't like Upwork. I don't like Upwork because it's a freelance community. So you're taking a bunch of people who are used to making their money as freelancers and you're trying to get them as FTEs. That's not what you want to do. Go post your job posting to wherever is applicable. And I'm going to measure my statement here. Different regions will yield different levels of proficiency based off of what it is that you're looking for. So you will find as a stereotype that certain areas have amazing developers. They're not great at creative or amazing creative, but they're not great at traffic management or, you know, amazing copy creation, but they're not great, whatever. And I realized the, that's a rat's nest of a statement, but I don't care because it's true. I'm not going to tell you what I think about each region because all that'll do is just get me in trouble. But I will tell you that you're going to find pockets. You're going to find pockets where it's like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Like, this is a great place to go for this, this thing. And then you can narrow down your hiring based on, on what it is that you're looking there. And that kind of makes sense, right? Like different areas focus on different, um, for a bunch of different reasons. You know, maybe it's where the, the universities happen to, you know, there's a bunch, a bunch of school there or, or that just so happened that a lot of that work ended up in that direction. Like for instance, here's one that I don't mind. Design Pickle, which is the graphic design agency, started hiring out of the Philippines, which I think based on everything I've heard from Russ, who's the guy who started Design Pickle, which kind of arbitrary. He was like looking for offshore talent, ended up with a Filipino graphic designer, decided, okay, I'll just go there. Well, now if you're looking for graphic design help, there's a massive amount of graphic design help in the Philippines. And it's because Design Pickle kind of got the ball rolling. So I'm not trying to be racist or prejudiced, but I'm just letting you know that you are going to see common denominators behind where some of the successful talent is. We see a lot of Google ads proficiency in India because Google went to India and started training a bunch of Indians. Um, I'm afraid this is going to get me in trouble, but I said it anyway. The process, you're going to post the job description to the job board. Depending on where you are in your career and whether or not you have help, don't filter these submissions yourself. It's long, it's tedious, it's arduous, and it's easy worked out. So have a VA filtered if you have a VA. Anybody who's not qualified, Nix them. Anybody who didn't actually read the instructions, anybody who didn't answer the questions properly, anybody with crap formatting is gone. Here's the thing that I've run into in the past. I will see a submission come through that I'm so excited about. They have amazing experience. They've worked for an agency that I really respect. They had this awesome client. They have like one of their answers blew me away, but they didn't follow the instructions. I can't think of a single time when I've broken my rule and I've been rewarded for it. If they didn't follow the instructions, don't consider them period. Review a short list, remove any candidates that aren't qualified. Now this is what you are doing, by the way. So your VA did all this, easy things for a VA to do. Now you take the short list and you're like, all right, I don't feel like this person's right. This person's right. Look at their resume. By the way, look at their resumes. One of the things I look for is staying power. It's like, man, you haven't been at a single job for longer than seven months. You, you scare me. That won't be the, like, I won't nick somebody just for that, especially in the gig economy. But it's one of those things that you can use to, to kind of cull the herd. You shouldn't have more than 10 finalists. If you have more than 10, you might want to go back and start, you know, figuring out how to narrow down. And you'll also 
potentially in the future, put together one more hurdle, you know, add something to the job description, you know, maybe like a personality test or, or something that would push away a little bit more people. When you have your finalists and, you know, we don't always have 10, by the way, sometimes we have three for the last role that we hired for the technical writer. We had three do a trial project. Couple of notes. This is paid. This is paid. You want to pay this because especially folks offshore, people are used to being taken advantage of. I can't tell you how many horror stories I've heard about, you know, people getting a, a gig on freelance or something and doing a bunch of work. And, you know, maybe they were getting paid uh, for paid for their work over a period of time. And then all of a sudden their employer decided like, oh, okay, I'm kind of done with this. And then they just ghosted them. It happens all the time. Offshore labor is hypersensitive to being taken advantage of. So pay them for the trial project. And now when you're paying them, you can actually, it's helpful because you can hold them to a higher standard. If you have people do a trial project, they'll probably do it, or you know, at least some of them. But you're going to know, you always wonder like, I wonder if you would have done better if I actually paid you for this because they're kind of doing something for you. So pay for the project and pay in advance. Here's a pro tip. Um, let's say you're going to, you know, give them, it doesn't have to be significant, by the way. Like, like just let them know that you're, you're putting skin in the game first. So I'm going to pay you 20 bucks to write this blog or, you know, $10 to do a little social image design or $50 to create this campaign or whatever. Pay in advance. Here's what's interesting. We were hiring, just as an example, the technical writers. We shortlisted three. We sent them each a payment for the trout project, same trout project. Two of them came back with the project. One of them never did. What a cheap way for me to learn that you're not necessarily aligned with my values. You know, like, okay, you got to steal 10 bucks from me or whatever it ended up being. I'd much rather learn that before I go, you know, put you in a position where you have access to all my clients. So pay in advance. It lets them know you respect their time. And with offshore labor again, you know, my, my father's from Pakistan and he tells me these horror stories about Pakistanis employees and how, like, they, again, to stereotype, but how they're like, lord the, the, the salary payment over people's heads and they're always late. And they're pushing it back and they make people beg for it. And, you know, just like really inappropriate work environment. And a lot of employees are hypersensitive to that. Pay early, pay often. You like clockwork. Just make sure that they know they're not going to have to deal with that with you. And this is the very first, you get to establish the precedent now. So you, you pay them ahead of time. A couple of notes on the trial project. Don't tell them a due date. Instead, say, hey, here's the project. Please let me know how long you think this is going to take and when you think you'll be done. So how long is it going to take a number of hours and when do you think you're going to be done? How long is it going to take? Because you don't want them to inflate the time but you don't want them to underestimate either. Now you get to see how well do they manage expectations? How long did, how well do they fulfill those expectations? And then you get to see whether or not they, you know, if they say, I'm going to be done by Friday at noon or whatever. Did they deliver Friday at noon? We had a young man that we tried to hire for social media management and he promised something on Friday, never delivered. On Monday, Patience, who runs our marketing team, followed up and he said, oh yeah, I'm going to need till Tuesday. But by the way, can I have Monday off because it's Chinese New Year or whatever? And we were like, all right, this isn't going to work. You're working with somebody in a remote environment, so you need to make sure that they can actually deliver and not just on their work output, but also manage themselves, manage communication, you know, update you on what's going on. And that's such a great opportunity to see like, how well do they communicate? Do they follow up? Do they give me a progress report? I like to do some things like all, you know, let's say that they need to log into Canva or whatever in order to get access to the design assets that we want them to, to modify. I'll send them the wrong username and password. And then, you know, let's say they said, oh, I'll have this done by, you know, Friday at noon. <laughs> we get an email. Friday at 11 a.m. saying, oh, the password doesn't work. Now I know, okay, you're somebody who leaves things to the last minute. Use the trial project as an opportunity to see not just what 
how well they're going to do the job you're hiring them for, but how well they work. You know, what the work process is like. When you have remote employees, this is really important. I don't make people track time. I don't do any screenshotting of desktops. And, you know, I, mean, I know, like, sometimes somebody's going to just check out, go watch Netflix or take the dog for a walk or go take a long lunch. That's good. That's what we're, like, the remote, autonomous, free work environment that you're offering is what attracts your peak performer. Don't put them in a position where they feel like they're a cog in a wheel or you're not going to get peak performers. Once the trial project is done, you should kind of know who it is that you're going to hire. And by the way, don't tell me that you can't build a trial project for something. I don't care what the role is, except for maybe sales. Um, once you're done and you've paid them for the trial projects and they've delivered, now you're going to do the interview. If you even need to do the interview. Yo, we've hired straight out of trial projects. It's like, oh, we found our assassin. In case that's not the case, here's your interview template. Thank you so much. Make sure you acknowledge the fact that they followed the instructions and that the bar was set high. Bring up something ultra specific and make this heartfelt, by the way. This needs to be human. You just made them jump through hoop after hoop after hoop after hoop after hoop. Now you need to bring it back down to humanity and say, hey, look, I really love the fact that you said you'd be a dolphin because whatever, like connect on a personal level. Let them know, I think you'd be an excellent fit for the role, which by now, by the way, should absolutely be true. Everybody that you have should be an assassin. Let them know we're going to schedule an interview. We want to do face-to-face. This is really important. A lot of people don't like this. They don't like having their camera on. That's a problem, at least for me. That's a problem. I'm, I'm, I need to be able to see you. I need you to be on Zoom. I need you to have your camera enabled. And so, you know, different people from different countries and different cultures have different feelings on this. My feeling is I, I, you have to be comfortable with this if we're going to be working together remotely. And so this kind of helps me weed out folks that have a massive issue with that. I give them a, a link, a scheduling link, but I don't let them, I don't give them a conference link. Instead, I say, you choose the video conferencing tool and then you send me instructions on how to use the tool to this email address. Treat me like someone whose technical proficiency you're unsure of. Don't treat me like an idiot, but send me, and by the way, they can choose whatever they want. Google Meets, Zoom. I, this is also, you just want to make sure that a remote employee can go and, and solve a quick problem. This is just a quick problem. Hey, where should we meet? Oh, Google Meets. Here's how to use it. If you're hiring somebody who's working remote, they have to be self-directed enough to do this. If you have somebody who comes back and like, oh, I'm going to like, well, we could use Zoom if you have Zoom installed, but I, is GoToMeeting okay? And like, like, you just need to, you need to get over the folks that need to be directed with every little thing because they're going to be very difficult employees to manage remotely, especially if you don't have like, you know, a, a assembly line type role that you're hiring for. Once you've scheduled here, this is the least important of the part of the process. The interview doesn't matter. Hire who you like. I like to ask people where they see themselves in five years. And by the way, I don't mind hiring people that are like, oh, I want to start my own agency. That's great. Entrepreneurs are great. I've helped people start their agency. I refer them work now. Um, I just want to know. I just want to know, like, what's your vision for yourself like in the future? Is there anything that I can do to help? Is there a way that we can align ourselves so that our growth trajectories are the same? This is a, a question that I have to ask a lot. And this generally ends up being true because you're hiring peak performers. You're going to find people that are like, Dude, you could run this company. I'm afraid you're overqualified. Let me know why that's not an issue. And, you know, if you're paying a lot more than other people are paying, you're going to get a lot of overqualified people. But bring that up early and often because here's the other thing is, you know, sometimes people are going to get bored in a role that's too lowly for them. So if you bring this up in the interview process, it, it now pushes the onus of responsibility onto them to, you know, 
A, bring their A game, and then B, when they are ready to move on, you've at least highlighted this fact. Your people are the most important part of your business. Give them freedom, support, autonomy, especially now. Like, the, it's, it's easy to freelance. It's easy to find a job. Like, the whole, all I do, anytime I go out, which isn't often, but anytime I drive around, I see nothing but, like, help wanted signs. You know, the grocery store by my house is paying 20 bucks an hour or something close to that. Like, you know, and I realized that we just printed 40% more money than's ever existed. So a lot of that's just inflation, but it's also, I mean, my first job was $4.15. That's how old I am. It's an employee's market. It's an employee's market and you have to be an employer that they want to work for. Um, so build an environment and an ecosystem that supports that. For my agency owners, I don't know if this is true for everybody, but if you're hiring for an agency, no, you're not going to have people for longer than two years, generally speaking. And two years is a long time. You can't inhibit their growth. You know, I, I hear some of my buddies talking about how to keep people and slapping golden handcuffs on them and all that stuff. And I mean, there's something to that. I try to do that too. I want to, I want to keep my, my best people around for as long as I possibly can. But if somebody wants to leave, support them because otherwise all that's going to, they're still going to do it, but then they're going to do it behind your back and, and that's going to hurt worse. So, you know, we've had uh, employees leave to start their own thing. And I make sure I make a show of it. Like I let people know like, Hey, this is awesome. What my buddy Colin Schmelbeck, he just, we just did a YouTube video together. He left and started his own agency. He gave me six months notice. Super generous, really appreciated it. It let me transition all of his clients over. Let make sure everything was, you know, kosher. He gave us insight in any of the accounts that he was managing. Like it was so helpful that that versus two weeks night and day. So when he did it, I made sure to make a really big show out of like, oh man, that's awesome. Let me help and support you. And here's what's really interesting. I had a young man who worked for me years and years ago. His name's Donish. Donish rolled off, started his own agency, left in all the right ways. We stayed friends. He ended up getting a client who was a massive name. You've read all of, you've read his books is all I'm going to say. I, obviously for reasons, I can't tell you who it is, but Donish was like, oh, this is more than I can handle. And then referred him back to me. I promise you, these people that outgrow you, they just become part of your network. And if you treated them right and helped them, they're going to remember you. And when they outgrow you and become bigger and better than you, you're going to benefit from that too, because you'll start eating from the scraps at their table. So I'd be really careful about trying to imprison your employees. Give them growth opportunities and growth paths. And then when they outgrow, you support them in that, because you're only going to benefit from it long term. Um, what else do I want to say? I'd love to learn from you here too. There's things that I don't know. I think I've built a pretty good work environment, but you know, I'm sure there's everybody's, my biggest fear is that I'm Michael Scott um, or Bill Lumberg and nobody's telling me, you know, and I know there, there are employees that just like can't stand the sound of my voice, but for the most part, I think we've done a pretty damn good job. And I've got some people that I'm just like, just adore and I'm so grateful for, but I could learn. And I know there's always room for improvement. Now, this is like my secret sauce, y'all. This is the thing that I'm most proud of. So if there's holes here or things that I can prove upon, please let me know. So I, I'm a little less concerned with, you know, making people jump through hoops because people that are proactive reach out and say, hey, I want to work there. They, they tend to be a little bit more, um, just closer to the short list, I guess, is all. So anyway, I'm going on too long. I hope this is helpful. I'd love to know from you whether or not this is a, a value and, um, I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for your business. I think the most important thing that we can do as entrepreneurs is build environments where other people can really give their gifts. There's something like truly magic about that. You know, it's a trust that we're given and I'm really proud of it. I employ 70 people, John and I uh, are approaching 70 anyway. And 
I still kind of look at that in Marvel. It feels good. And it, it has just served me, you know, like I've, I've benefited from it greatly. So yeah, everybody that works for me is smarter than I am and better than I am in every way. And that's a platitude I used to hear. And I'm like, all right, well, that's some hoorah that people just say, no, that's definitely true. It's definitely true. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads Podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions 8 at sol8.com. Custom here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation? Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation. I said action plan, a bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's sol8.com. S-O-L, the number eight, dot com.